This is the third and final sermon in the Tomorrowland series as we imagine what the future holds for us and for our world. And this Sunday, we meditate on what tomorrow holds for us as the church and the church at large, this institution that has reflected the love of God throughout the centuries. And this institution that has sometimes gotten it wrong, lost in the past, lost in practices of shame and guilt, much like us, the church with a capital C, sometimes has trouble letting go. But where better to look for what is essential for us and the church than the very end and the very beginning? Today, that is where we find ourselves in Scripture. Our two texts this morning, almost mirrors of one another, or bookends is probably the better descriptor, because while they very literally are bookends, the very beginning and the very end of our Scripture. Genesis, the first book of the Hebrew Bible, and Revelation, the very end of the Christian canon. But not only are the books themselves bookends, but the content is beautifully symmetrical. Genesis begins, as many of us remember, with the beautiful poetry of creation, of life being born in the dark and land forming in the void, of animals and plants being made and named beloved, of God breathing breath into the dirt and forming humanity. And it all started in that great garden around the trees of knowledge and of life. And then we come to the end, to revelations, after all of the getting it wrong, all of the wonderings and wanderings, all of the time that we have placed idols before God, all of the tall towers that have tumbled, that we built on our own pride and false self-sufficiency. The golden calves are clinging to anything to fix the situation we are in. To like Judas, we have our own ideas about who God should be or what God should do that led Christ crucified on another tree. We find ourselves at the end in Revelation and again in some of the last chapters of Scripture in a garden gathered around the tree of life where the violence and the pain of the world has ended, so much has been let go. In the rest of Revelations, we have read about all of the pieces of the world that have had to disappear to make this possible, that have had to burn away to make a way for what is true. Things have had to die. Things have had to fall apart to make room for what remains, for what is true, the love and light of God. But the getting there, the getting there is hard and uncomfortable. It is painful, and yet maybe what awaits is more beautiful than anything we could imagine. Maybe what awaits is truly life. But to get there, it takes a phoenix faith. A reading from Genesis. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And from Revelation, Then the angel showed me the river of the water as life, 
as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. May they be in keeping with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. In Santa Fe, there is an annual tradition of letting go, of feeling what can rise from the ashes, the freedom and liberation from all that has held us. Maybe if you love the sound of Ira Glass' voice, like I do, you too heard last week on This American Life of Zozo Bra, the giant puppet that is being created to hold the pain of the community, all of their glooms. Tens of thousands of folks come to this festival-like atmosphere where on sheets of paper, pains are named. These sorrows, these glooms, and stuffed into this embodiment of suffering. And what happens to all that Zozo Bra holds? It is burned. The anger, the fear, the grief is all let go, letting go of the resentments we hold, letting go of pain. How many of you have a hard time letting go? Letting go of plans that we've made, letting go of the ways we think things ought to be letting go of the idols we've made about what's truly important in life. How many of you struggle with letting go of the unknown possibilities of life? All of the things that you could be doing, all of the adventures that might have been had, or books that might have been read, or classes you might want to take. In this, there's a beautiful parable from another tree, the apple tree. It's that time of year again, of course, when Folks flock to the orchards to taste the sweet sun-soaked fruit of summer light held in the golden skins and sweet juice. Several years ago, I learned something about apple trees. There are always too many buds on an apple tree. There's too much fruit, too much potential that the gardener has to come and pick what is not yet ripe and never will be because the limbs of the tree cannot sustain the weight of all these fruits. It will literally break and kill the tree. And so they are picked, and no's are said, and some things end so that others may live. There is a letting go so that life can occur. Learning to let go is an inevitable lesson for all of us, for life in all of its matter-of-factness will force it upon us, whether we welcome it 
or not. Age and the limits of our own mortality will force us to let go. Maybe before we are ready for them to. Our loved ones will leave this world, and in that grief of physical presence shared and absence felt, there too is a letting go. Not a moving on, but forward. My parents have a storage unit filled with family treasures. When I was in my sophomore year of college, my granny took ill. Her mind had begun to let go. The regimen of pills had to be taken, and it was just too much. And she began to mix it all up and started having seizures from the unprescribed chemical cocktails that she would make. My parents, then living in Wyoming, knew they needed to go back to move into the tiny post-war home my dad grew up in to help care for her. And so at the age of 62, my, my dad moved back in with his mom, returning to the town of Jarrett, a town that had been filled with small family farms and is now just a stop along the way to someplace else. And my parents' belongings were placed in a metal storage unit in town my granny died last year. Her final words to my dad were, thank you, as their hands connected against the cool window glass. And with her death, the unenviable undoing of a life began, the sorting and the donating. For my parents, the storage unit was opened, and what they discovered was the ways that humidity and heat take a toll on treasures inside. Furniture warped, tapes and videos disintegrating into memories. There has been some heartache of what is lost, and yet room is made. And maybe there's beauty in that, too. William Basinski, avant-garde composer, found such beauty. In the 1980s, Basinski had recorded Found Sounds, the beauty that exists all around us, though we may seldom notice it. Decades later, as he was transferring these sounds from the magnetic tape to a digital format, he found that the sounds had deteriorated. Instead of thinking of this as broken trash, he instead found something beautiful. And on September 11th, 2001, he finished his original album, calling it the disintegration loops. There, sounds that had fallen apart, hauntingly woven together in this broken thing. Something beautiful was created. This too is the foundation of our faith. Time and again, of getting lost in the wilderness and of God's promised land. As Christians, this is the story of the resurrection, that when what we think is lost, when our plans have failed and we don't know what lies next, when we are afraid, uncertain, and insecure, when it seems hopeless and God seems to have been killed and is silent and absent, it's in these moments that God's love appears to us as a stranger on the road to Emmaus giving us strength not to go back, but to go forward.
Christians who lived during the time that Revelation was written literally knew this message as the Roman Emperor Nero burned the city to the ground. How faith could rise like a phoenix from the ashes. How the fear, the potential literal erasure of their faith was not enough to stop what the love of God had put into motion. As Christian communities continued to gather in homes, caring for one another, feeding one another in body and spirit, a new heaven and a new earth was made and the tree of life flourished. What church has looked like has changed and transformed over the years. It hasn't always looked like this. From small house churches to Gothic cathedrals to white clapboard congregational meeting houses, this church building itself has not always looked like this. When a fire ravaged this very sanctuary in the 80s, things changed. We know too well what is possible. If we dare to dream with God, what can rise from the ashes? This past summer, we went to see the Frida Kahlo exhibit at the College of DuPage. The story and witness of this amazing woman laid bare in the braces that held her broken body and the strength that came from the honesty and vulnerability of her art. Dan and I have a game we play with every art museum we go to. We each pick one piece that we would wish to have in our own personal gallery. And in the art that hung, we both picked a tiny unassuming piece near the end of the exhibit called The Circle, a circular painting at the center of which is a woman's body laid bare with light breaking through and it seeming almost to be a returning to the earth, to the forest, to a garden upon which the woman kneels. This is one of Frida's last works of art, and I cannot help but think of the ways she created something so beautiful in the letting go, in the returning, and the rising from the earth. As we imagine this great tomorrow land guided by the past and holding fast to the promise of the future, I know this, that there will be heartache and pain, but that there will also be resurrection because God, God's beauty, shows up again and again in the unsure of what's next, in the peace found in prayer, in the voices of justice that call us forward, in the joy and laughter of children that sustain us, if we are courageous enough to believe that we too can rise from the ashes with a phoenix faith. Amen.